Welcome to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill, and I'll be leading you on this adventure. We'll be getting into deep discussions about classic records, profiles on up-and-coming bands, and interviews with your favorite artists. You can check out new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. This week, we're starting off strong. We're having our first guest, Aaron Turner of Sumac. Sumac is his latest band, but you're also probably familiar with his other bands, such as Isis, Old Man Gloom, Mammifer, as well as his numerous collaborations with people like Justin Broderick, Twilight, Lust Mord, and Chelsea Wolfe. He is also the main man at Hydrahead Records, whose catalog helped define progressive heavy music. Our chat was recorded prior to the Caleb Schofield benefit that happened in Los Angeles during this past October. We talked about the possibility of further ISIS performances, parenthood, and the overabundance of fan-provided coffee. There was a post about people bringing you guys coffee on the road. <laughs> yeah. So has that been successful? Has anyone brought you anything? Yeah. In fact, I might need to put a stop to it now because we have too much coffee. Oh, really? It's taking yeah. up valuable real estate in the van? Uh, it's just more coffee than any of us could possibly consume at this point, I think. Or if the trend <laughs> continues. Although the first couple of days we didn't get much. And then when we hit uh, Toronto that night alone, I think we got like six bags of beans. Really? Yeah. So... Yeah. So you guys already ran through Canada or? Yep. Yeah. We started in Chicago and then went uh, kind of north from there and did uh, Toronto and Montreal and then started headed back, heading back south. The, um, generally, you guys go out for these kind of short bursts of yeah. a couple weeks at a time. So this is the similar type of routing too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> with everybody's life commitments uh, and also Brian being in Russian circles and touring a lot, uh, it just makes it hard for us to do much more than that at a time. And honestly, at this point, I feel like that's pretty much perfect. Um, I had a child two years ago, and that definitely makes it a lot harder to leave home. So I feel like leaving for two weeks is enough for me to feel satisfied and like I'm uh, nurturing my... Uh, myself and in a creative way and it's also not so long that I feel like I'm really missing out on something huge at home I mean every day away feels hard but uh, I can't imagine being gone for a month or six weeks or something like that or touring like six months out of the year like I used to that just would be too, too too hard I think Actually, the last time I think you and I spoke, you know, we, we've been doing email correspondences, but you were, um, it was before the, the, the child was born. Yeah. So I'd like to say congratulations. Thank you. And it's the first time you and I have actually spoken in person since uh-huh. then. So it's, it's, it sucks. It's like two years go by before yeah. you and I talk again. Yeah. So, yeah. It but, seems uh, like no time at all, though. Life just goes by so fast. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like I have a theory about that. Like, you know, time dilation and like the yeah. longer you're living a year is like a less a percentage of your total life. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. You know, it's like time's not really a constant. It's this kind of weird fluid you know, quantity, I think sometimes. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. So how is uh, parenthood, um, you know, obviously the road work, it's impacted that yeah. as far as like your perspective. 
in life? How has that changed things? I think it's made me a much better human overall. I feel a lot, I feel a lot more patient and empathetic than I used to. And it's also um, <clears throat> made me value uh, my work in a different way where <clears throat> the time I have now is lessened because of the way that I choose to parent. Like I want to be as involved as I can be. So the number of hours I have during any given day to do creative stuff um, is somewhat limited. So I realize um, something more about the preciousness of time. And also I feel like uh, the time that I spend doing creative things means more to me now. So it's definitely shifted my perspective in that way. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I also think I've been forced to confront a lot of stuff that I've spent my whole life avoiding. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, to, to one extent or another. And again, that has to do partially just with the situation itself. Like I can't, I can't just be checked out which is the way I dealt have historically dealt with a lot of things in my life is just if something makes me uncomfortable I just check out and you know retreat inward and I can't do that anymore I, I still have that reflex and I still find myself doing it from time to time but it's a lot more painful to do that now because I have this tiny being that I literally have to be there for. I have to be aware of for his safety, but also just his emotional Yeah, their development as a, as a human. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's, I'm sort of at an interesting point in my life too, where I'm just kind of like looking back and, you know, taking stock <laughs> and things. And, you know, I don't have any kids, yeah. um, but I do see just with relationships and my parents and whatnot, like, you know, just um, the care that, has to go into like developing a human being and like, you know, yeah. both of my parents, you know, just like regular middle-class type people, yeah. like, you know, from the, from the tri-state area here and, um, not necessarily the most enlightened people yeah. and, um, but still doing the best they can. Yeah. But, but those years they're, I think that they're unaware sometimes of how much they kind of affected things that happened 20 or 30 years yeah. down the line. So it's yeah. a crucial point right now. Yeah. I think there is some, definitely something very very significant about the parent-child relationship i mean that's how we are formed as people and i'm seeing that firsthand now and it gives me a greater understanding of who i am the impact i'm having on him and also how i came to be the person i am through the parents i had sure and uh it's a big responsibility and it's also a, it is a joy it's hard for me to talk about it without either getting weepy or just like <laughs> yeah. spewing cliches, but sure. it really, it's, it's expanded my, my horizon in a very, very positive way overall. And, uh, I definitely feel aside from feeling like I'm really lucky to have this experience. I also feel like a renewed enthusiasm and, um, impetus to contribute something to the world. And that definitely manifests most significantly in what I do creatively. Right. I feel like what I do is for me, but I also want it to have a beneficial effect for the people that come into contact with it, which has always been the case. But again, just like seeing my son grow up and wanting him to have a world, a, a, a decent world to grow up into just makes me feel that much more motivated to try to 
do something that's meaningful and positive. Yeah, I mean, cause we also live in like a very complicated time here, just, you know, socially in the United States, yeah. you know, politically. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard not to get cynical about the future. So Yeah, it is. And at the same time, seeing him just makes me believe in the the innate potential of people. Like, I don't, I think with maybe a few exceptions, most people are born either with a good nature or at least a blank slate. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. think there's very few people that are born evil, you know? So I agree with that. I, I feel like that to me alone is proof that, you know, we can affect the future. And if our intention is good and we apply our energy in a, in a, significant way that there is the possibility to shift things maybe not entirely but at least in a more positive direction yeah but even now with the sort of uh tragic uh, political environment we're living in i do believe that the sort of uh backlash to that will be a positive thing yeah i mean that's already brought a lot of people yeah. together in a way that it seems very real and yeah, maybe um I mean, I wasn't alive during the 60s to see it, but just in terms of my level of awareness of the past, this seems like the most public display of outcry and protest since then. And I almost feel like uh, it's not a good thing that we're at where we are right now. At the same time, maybe all these problems... I, I, these problems have been festering for a long time and it's erupting now and hopefully this is going to be a, a pivotal point that'll erupt in crisis and lead to you know a, a, a better outcome or a, or, a, or more positive direction going forward so you were talking about time management earlier um, you know between having you know the son your son and the family and all this sort of yeah. stuff so <clears throat> has that given you um, like more of a routine on a daily basis for creative work or kind of although um both my wife and i lead like the kind of i don't want to say unpredictable uh artist lifestyle but because we are both self-employed we do create our own schedule and there are days where it feels like there's a routine and then there's other days where it just feels like everything is chaos. <laughs> and I'm I've been a I've been a very uptight person in a lot of ways throughout my life and this has been a big learning experience for me to just learn how to accept and roll with the chaos of life and just trust that everything is going to move along as it as as it will. Um, because I've also learned that trying to control things is a futile oh, yeah. uh, use of energy. Yeah, so uh, I, I definitely feel like I'm more relaxed now. And I like to have a routine. I like being at home. I like having a little bit of an idea of what the day is going to bring. But I'm also working on uh, accepting that things will often, if not always, work out differently than I expect them to. Yeah, I, I could relate to that. Too. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much in the same boat as far as, you know, I try to maintain a schedule every day. But like, you know, there are definitely days where at the end at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night, I look back on the day and I'm like, well, that went completely different. Than yeah. I it was <laughs> yeah. You know, still, still pretty good, but yeah, you know, it went completely different. Yeah. Um, so the new record, which, uh, it's not released yet, right? It's cause I no, I, we have been selling it on tour though, okay. which is nice. I like to be able to have that. Yeah. I've, I've heard that I've got a, you know, 
being a special press guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> get all these things. Which yeah. I can't share with people. Just yeah. <laughs> so uh, when's the official release date on that? September 21st. And uh, I, I noticed also being a uh, Apple Music uh, subscriber that there's a couple of tracks that have become available to the public. Yeah. So, um, so there's a concept behind the new record, uh, Love and Shadow. And uh, I read a little bit about it, but yep. I'd like to hear in, in your words what the concept is. Um, well, talking about our political climate, part of it was spurred um, by thinking about where we are collectively. And uh, I was already working on the album around the time my son was born, but I was starting to get to the, to the lyrical portion of it around the time in the last election. And uh, I remember the day the election was happening. I, got, I was flying from one place to another, and I got on the plane early in the day, and it was like, still looked like it was, you know, uh, up in the air as to who was going to oh, right. win. You still hadn't had the final Yeah, and then when I got off the plane, I, like, I saw that, you know, who was going to be president most likely, and my heart just sank. Yep. And I felt, I mean, I don't, I don't, the position of being a president in many ways is just like a figurehead status, but it does, it does have an effect on our country and it does say something about us to the rest of the world. Absolutely. Um, and I think I would have been affected by it anyway, but my son, I think was like maybe six months old at that point or maybe even less. And I was just like, Holy fuck. Like what kind of world have I brought a child into? And I really, it, it, it made me physically sick. Yeah, no, a lot of people have that same, same experience. Yeah. yeah, and so I remember, I remember like three or four days after the election, I was in the shower, and I was thinking about writing this record, and I was like, this record seems so stupid and trivial in comparison to what's just happened, and what, how can I, like, how can I write something that means anything in the face of this yeah exactly i, I think a lot of people were going through similar yeah. like, you know yeah rotations. and i don't normally have like a defeatist attitude but i think it just was like i think again probably like a lot of people just nobody thought that that could nope. really happen and to see what this brought to the surface just like the hatred and the division and and just like the deep-rooted bigotry that still is very prevalent in our country was just so like soul crushing yeah so i spent a few days thinking about that and being like ah this just like being a musician seems so fucking self-indulgent and (laughs) a lot of my lyrics come from a very personal place and i was just like writing about my feelings seems so fucking pointless and then i thought about it more and i was like well what's the constant in my life being an artist and being, you know, believing that it has a value and devoting my life to that and thinking, okay, well, what's happening is bad, but it's not anything that's necessarily new. This is stuff that's been there the whole time. This is just a very pronounced manifestation of, yeah. the, of the things in the world that I perceive as being destructive. You know, and a lot of that stuff was, like you were saying, was, was present, but just had not been revealed. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it was like something really, like, 
violent and horrifying had been revealed and I was just shocked and, and initially kind of paralyzed by it. And then I was like, okay, what can I do? I'm not going to stop being a musician because that would just be oh, pointless. Like I don't have anything else to offer the world in a way that feels meaningful and significant to me. So what can I do? And I thought about like all the experiences I've had in my life especially those which have been really difficult and in which I've had to confront things in myself and things in other people that felt really hard to handle and really violent or destructive or manipulative. And in each instance that I thought of that had a positive outcome, I thought, well, what, what helped heal these things? And it was always an attitude of compassion and of fostering love and like remembering love and so I thought just that simple idea could be like the seedling for this record um, and our music has a lot of elements of violence and pain in it and that is still very much there but I feel like well, I guess what I want to say is that I, I hope that the music can be multidimensional and encompass a vast array of emotions and feelings and ideas. And the root of all of this for me has always been a love of life. Like the reason I like music is because it gives me an awareness of my own being and it makes me recognize that I am alive and that other people are alive. It's a connective force and energy and so I thought, well, what seems to be a big problem right now is the, the division between people and people thinking that, you know, other people are essentially bad or, in, or are in some way threatening their own well-being. So, yeah, so I was thinking about what keeps people divided. And, and, and one of the rudimentary things I was able to discern was, like, people fear that their own life in some way is going to be threatened by other people or what other people do and essentially what's at the root of that is that everybody wants to be alive and wants to survive and wants to protect themselves and protect their loved ones so essentially everybody's goal in one way or another is the same thing is to stay alive and that's based in my belief in a love of life and uh i th i thought if there is a unifying factor that I can address in our music, it would be the love of life. And that can be something that connects to connects us to people and people to each other in a way that kind of transcends a lot of the stuff that typically could be divisive. Like if we can all remember that inside each one of us is like a vulnerable human being who just wants to stay alive and not feel fear and not feel pain and not feel the threat of violence or oppression in some way, that to me it seems like a good basis for approaching a record um and it gets a lot more complicated than that but that was kind of like the 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 foundation of where this record went uh came into being i guess you know i i don't have any delusion that our music is gonna you know change the world in a profound way at the same time when i look at my own life music has changed my life uh, you know, there's no doubt that music has shaped who sure. I am. It's formed most of my connections to other people. It's helped me come into contact with people in other places and other, cu uh, other cultures that I never would have met 
any other way. And it's what brought me and my wife together and, and, you know, brought our son into the world. So in some way it's like, I do see it as a very profound force for change. And I want to be very intentional about what I'm doing in that regard and, and think about how it has the potential to affect things in a, in a positive way. Yeah. What's, what's also really cool is the fact that, I mean, you've been, you know, it's been what, two decades at least since you've been actively making music and the fact that, you know, that message that you haven't just become jaded about things or like, well, you know, I just want to pump out a record and yeah. go on tour and sell yeah. some shirts and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. Know, which is like, sadly, that's like the, the drill that a lot of people are on that have been doing it this long. Yeah. You know, that there still is a meaning there, you know? Yeah, there has to be a meaning for yeah. me because I realize like making music that in this, in one sense is pretty marginal. Like I know there's no mass appeal to what we're doing and it's not going to be like any financial gain we get from this is not going to be life-changing it's no, not going to allow people not. to fucking retire off yeah. of this you know what i mean sure. so it's like after seeing a person be born it gave me a lot of awareness of my own mortality and i'm just like at the end of my life the amount of records I sold or number of shows I played or whatever, like any of that practical stuff isn't gonna matter. And I'm gonna wanna look back on what I did and find meaning in it. And meaning for me doesn't come through financial gain. And also just like, that's not gonna happen with what we do. Like, you know, we can- we yeah, can totally. I mean, it's not like this is like dance music or yeah. you know, R&B or something like that. Yeah, I, and the goal for me was never to make this a living. Like, the fact that ISIS did what we did was pure happenstance. Like, we were lucky that this music that we enjoyed doing caught on to the extent where we could quit our jobs sure. and just do that. But that was never, like, the goal. It was just like, oh, cool, this is happening. Yeah, Let's definitely. see where it takes us. Definitely. Um, so the point for me has always been kind of twofold. One is, uh, and I will admit this is the prime motivation to do something that makes me feel like, um, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel joy. That makes me feel like my energy is being used in a satisfying way. This, the second thing, which is almost of significant, uh, as much significance is making something that affects other people and my whole mindset about the world my perspective on everything was altered by music when I was a teenager probably it started before then but especially as like an early teen like that changed everything for me and so I'm aware of the potential power that music holds so I don't take that lightly that doesn't mean that I think that you know I have this really important task that must be carried out sure um you know there's nothing really grandiose about it but at the same time it's like i want to take this i want to take this seriously and i want it to mean something for me and in order to do that it means investing myself deeply in the process yeah there has to be some sort of intention behind yeah. everything yeah, yeah. now one of the things um you know isis at the time of this this episode airs it'll be after the fact so uh the uh there's a there's an upcoming reunion show that you guys are playing and yep. unfortunately the there's tragic events surrounding that was the, you know the death of caleb schofield yeah and uh so i mean you get wasn't there another was it old man gloom that played another uh there was like a benefit a couple months ago yep we did one in boston it was um 
Cancer Conspiracy, uh, Old Man Gloom, uh, Caven, Converge. Young Widows were supposed to be on it, didn't end up doing it. Um, Christ, I hope I'm not forgetting someone. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. that was, yeah, we did that show in Boston. Uh, and even before that had happened, you know, the ISIS guys were very close with Caleb and they wanted to be able to contribute in some way. And all of us in Caven and Old Man Gloom want to do whatever we can for sure, Caleb's family. So yeah. it seemed like um, it was a good idea to try to um, make another memorial event out of it. So um, <clears throat> now that that's on the that's booked and there's you know I think it's, it's probably sold out by now. I imagine, yeah. You know? <clears throat> um, what sort of feelings come up now that you're going to be playing with these guys again? Ah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've talked to a bunch of other dudes yeah, already. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I can't. I just have to be candid about it. Yeah. There is a reason why we stopped playing together, and all of that stuff still holds true for me. Um, at the same time, what I was saying earlier about music shaping my life, like I will never have the kind of experiences with anyone else that I had with the other four guys in ISIS. Like we spent some very important, very formative years of our lives living together, working together, traveling the world. And uh, that was a very important facet of my life. And to be able to come together again with those guys and do something that, again, has um, a lot of meaning for all of us and for me feels like a very good thing to be doing. Um, <clears throat> And I also, I, I was thinking about, I thought a lot about this before, as all this stuff was coming together, I was like, if what happened to Caleb and his family happened to me and my family, I would hope that my friends would come together in the same way to do something like this. And that, again, to me, was just like, that was part of the incentive. It was like, yes, like, I want to do this because I know my friends would do the same thing for me. And I know Caleb specifically would have done that. Um, and sometimes it's it's hard to feel like uh, you can do much for other people in the world, especially people who are in need. But I, this is a thing that I that we can do on a small level. This is a family who has suffered a devastating blow, and someone we know. And though this doesn't do anything to bring Kayla back, it does show what his life meant to us and to a lot of other people and it also helps his family on a practical level yeah, and I think this is a big gesture of love I mean sure. I, I felt when I walked out into the room at that Boston show and saw all these people who had come out for it it was just like this overwhelming wave of gratitude and sorrow as well but gratitude that's what I feel about the event in LA is sorrow and gratitude have you started preparing for it and you know, scheduling no. rehearsals or anything <laughs> like that? Or? No, I, I mean, I, I have a good ability to be disciplined about practicing. So I know, and I know that those songs are just embedded in yeah, my body from point. having played them so many times. Yeah. So I needed to like do this tour sure. and prepare for this. And I've got a couple weeks at home before that happens. I feel like <laughs> I'll be able to we're playing like a five or six song set. I feel like I'll be able to get that g going in that amount of time. I mean, for me, 
Uh, I've been playing guitar almost daily ever since ISIS stopped, and I've been singing consistently. So yeah, it's not like projects. I need to regain any of the physical yeah. stuff. I just need to learn, remember the song, like relearn the song structures, which. Yeah, yeah, I imagine I in Sumac you're exercising the same types of muscles you'd be yeah, doing yeah, in ISIS. Yeah, 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 and I don't, I'm, I'm nervous just because there's so many layers of stuff, history and relationship and all that that comes along with the ISIS thing. Uh, so that makes me nervous, but just the the playing of the songs is that's the easy part yeah right? yeah <laughs> yeah totally yeah now one of the questions i had yeah. is you know you spent a lot of years living in la the urban environment and now you're you moved somewhere in washington yeah i live outside seattle and now now is it a relatively <clears throat> rural area um it's kind of on the cusp it's definitely not suburban but it's not completely rural right um but you know there's like enough trees that i can't see my neighbor's house no, basically yeah. uh and there's big parts of where we live where there's like you know we live on an island uh in the puget sound and there's like ten thousand people on the island oh, okay yeah um and we have like a downtown that's like four blocks long uh -huh. with a couple of grocery stores and stuff so I, I ran into you in seattle one time a number of years ago and you're talking about taking a ferry to seattle yeah and i was like where the hell does aaron live and yeah like, like, <laughs> is, is there electricity is yeah, there like yeah, yeah. you know yeah, you have to I, like like fish for your food. And yeah, stuff, I'm not so. like living in a log cabin necessarily, but it is definitely it's a very stark contrast from living in LA and living in Boston. Now, like mentally, I know for me, that type of move. I mean, I, I don't live in the city anymore, and that yeah. that shift has helped me immeasurably. Yeah. So how how has that change affected you? It's been really good for me too. Um, initially, it was really difficult. I went from living in LA, being in a band that toured all the time, um, and just having that kind of like metropolitan and touring lifestyle to moving to Vashon, stopping touring almost all, all together, um, ISIS was done, and I flipped the fuck out. That was another moment of a personal crisis for yeah. me. It was our first winter on Vashon. I had to, it was probably the, the, the single biggest turning point in my life up to when my son was born, where it was just like all this sh undealt with shit that I had been stuffing away just erupted. And it was a hard first year there. Um, at the same time, it was almost like, um, it was almost like, uh, immersion therapy where it was like dealing with all this stuff that I had a hard time with on a constant basis. And part of that was just being alone with myself. Sure. I mean, I was there with my partner too, with faith, but, uh, you know, mostly I just had to deal with myself and confront who I was at that point in time. And, um, that was ultimately a very positive thing for me, even if it was a big shock initially. And we were thinking about moving back to the city after our first year there. And then by the time we were ready to move, we were like, wait a second, we like it here. Yeah, you kind of realized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it had totally grown on us. And I had kind of, you know, gone through this, this trial period and come out the other side and felt really good uh, about where we were and have since come to love it. And uh, 
I definitely feel at home there. I don't know that that's where we'll be permanently, but I know for sure I'm just not a city person. I grew yeah. up in a, in a semi-rural area. I like being in the, the city environment from time to time, but I really, I, I appreciate being out in nature and uh, I feel like that's just, that's what suits my personality. And uh, I don't have um, any like really uh, strong concerns about an immediate apocalypse descending. At the same time, if a lot of shit just falls apart in terms of our infrastructure, I feel like we could sustain ourselves at least for a period of time. And that, that gives me a, yeah, yeah, that gives me a measure of security. Okay. Like yeah. we grow some of our own food. We can heat our home with fire, firewood in the winter. And I feel like there's a helpful community there. And, uh, you know, that does give me some security. And that was one of the reasons I moved out of LA. I was like, I mean, there were a lot of reasons, but I was like, if shit falls apart, LA is going to eat itself alive. Oh, dude, I, that's how, look at where we're at right now. Yeah. Here. But in Belly of the Beast in Brooklyn, yeah, so like yeah. you can't even get to the mainland without yeah. crossing a bridge or a tunnel. And, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah I, I like it there, and it's, it has changed my life. At the same time, in terms of the things that I do creatively, I don't feel that different. I mean, I, I all this stuff that I've had to go through in terms of uh, figuring out how I want to live my life and actually in some ways figuring out who I am uh, generally speaking, I think I could be anywhere and, and doing roughly the same things that I'm doing now in terms of my creative output. The burning question is, do you <laughs> foresee any further activity with the band? Uh, no. Because a lot of people, you know, I hear things, you know, I travel, I walk the earth. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I run into certain people and, you know, there's definitely like interest. And in, yeah. Uh, um, I won't say never because I think that's a foolish thing to do. I mean, there's always bands saying we're never going to do this again, and then you know, two years later they're doing their reunion tour. Oh yeah, it's the worst. I hate uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in. A, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I can provide for my family and have the means to carry on our life as it is now without having to be uh, out on the road all the time, and to be. 100% honest, if I really needed to make money, I would have, I would consider doing ISIS again to provide for my family. Okay. Yeah. On a creative level, I don't want to do it. I feel like we did some, I feel like we accomplished some pretty important things as a band. Um, I feel like that opened a lot of doors for me creatively and practically. I feel like I shared some beautiful times with those guys. I also feel like us trying to come together again would just be a recapitulation of the past. We'd be playing music that's 20 years old at, yeah, this, point. at this point. Yeah. If we were to write new music, I think we would encounter the same problems we were having, you know, towards the end where we would just sit in silence in the practice space and, and feel like, you know, we were all completely at odds with one another creatively. And I don't want to do that. Yeah, my, yeah. my relationships with yeah. those guys have improved drastically sure. since not being in a band together. I mean, Aaron Harris and I, in some ways, I feel like we're... Um, 
not the driving force in the band, but like we were both the most opinionated and the most outspoken and the most um, at odds creatively when we were working on ISIS together. And since we stopped that, like I feel like Aaron and I are like really good friends again. And to me, that's more important than trying to force a band into being. And also just one of the, on a on a you know on a sort of um, personal level, I kind of like the idea of the story coming to an end the way it did. You guys went out like on a high note, yeah. You know, and like <clears throat> as a friend of you guys, be proud of everything that you guys have done, and not have to like you know sit through the uh, the reunion tours, yeah. You know, or, and having in my own experience toured with bands on reunion tours, you know, like German thrash bands and whatnot, yeah. And seeing how those guys never talk to each other, yeah. They just their crew does the sound check and they just hide on the bus the whole time yeah. and they're miserable. Yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to see you guys go through that. I don't, I don't want to go through it either. <laughs> Music to me was always supposed to be fun. And I, and, and at the end of ISIS, it wasn't fun. And that was for me why I needed to stop it. I was like, I didn't, I didn't ever mean for this to be a job and I don't want it to be a fucking chore. And that's still the case. And now it's like, I mean, to talk about the present moment, I'm really happy doing Sumac yeah, as, no, as great, like yeah. my main creative outlet for making heavy music. And I feel like if I were to, if ISIS were to start up again, it would completely undermine everything that I've been working really hard to build That's with this band. Point. And I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Like, I don't want this to be like, the ISIS side project like to me this is as substantial and as meaningful and as significant in my life now as ISIS was to me you know in 2002 that's oh, great you know? um, and also let's not forget Split Cranium yeah <laughs> quite enjoyed that record yeah and um are there does that band ever play live we've there... never played live we would okay. like to uh but it's like we don't have enough of a fan base that we can go out and tour i mean if we were all lived in the same city we yeah, could maybe do that the... but we're yeah. all over the globe yeah, so it's definitely. like it would have to be some kind of circumstance that allowed us to do it on a practical level like a festival that wanted to pay for our airfare sure. or another band that could you know have us open for them and yeah. you know pay us a, a decent amount because i can it, see that being a road burn thing actually yeah yeah know? i mean something like that could be really yeah. awesome and i'd be i'd be glad to do it and again that was like part of the thing with isis towards the end that was hard for me is like i wanted to work with so many other people and do other kinds of things but isis was like if we weren't touring we were working on a record you know and i'm just too musically restless to be doing just one band that's that's clear because yeah. you've got so many different you know different yeah. things going on at the, yeah. all at the same time. You know, it's funny when earlier you were talking about how your time, your creative time is limited. Yeah, I'm like, well, I, from where I'm standing, I, I don't see it being limited at all because you got. It seems like every month I hear about, I get some press release about you or something. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Aaron's at you know out there doing it. It's uh, well, just as like a little bit of perspective on that, we started the Split Cranium record two years before it was finally completed, and it was literally like. You know, like UC and Tommy recorded the drums and guitars. And then six months later, UC and his family came and stayed with me. And we spent like a day and a half doing the guitar overdubs. And then 
a year later, I did all my vocals over the course of, you know, three weeks of going into our home studio for like 30 minutes at a time. You recorded that all in your in your spot at your um, personal space? Or? Some of the, the drums, like I said, were recorded in Finland and then everything else I recorded at my place except for Nate's bass, which he recorded. You sent it over. Basically at the same time Kurt was mixing it. Like, Oh, wow. I, we okay. gave... Nate all the songs <laughs> we booked the time at God City they spent a day before mixing doing all of Nate's bass and then mixed it so it's like yeah there's a lot of output probably uh, coming from my direction but it's like a lot of it takes a lot of time to from the point of inception to the point of completion well, but Aaron, I'm also a maniac I just need to keep doing things all the time oh yeah dude <laughs> I am completely aware of that feeling too. yeah you know even if it's not music it's some other sort of activity I need to do otherwise too much time inside the head is never good for me yeah you know? yeah it needs to manifest in some outward form yeah well thanks for uh, taking time out man yeah and, thanks uh, Mike you know the rest of the tour goes well and, um, I hope so too. I will be there in spirit next month when you guys play in LA. <laughs> All Unfortunately, right. phys- my physical being will not be there. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it was great seeing you again. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio via web ios or android for one of the best metal communities in the world exclusive interviews and merch and so much more